Welcome to Speaking of Mysteries. I'm Nancy Clare and Rebecca Hanover, best-selling YA author and an Emmy Award-winning writer for The Guiding Light, is joining me to talk about her debut adult thriller, The Last Applicant. Welcome, Rebecca. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. And um, yeah, it's it's wonderful to meet you. And before we started, you were chatting about uh, the segue from YA to uh to adult fiction. I read YA, I, with the exception of uh, more chaste sex scenes and less Mm -hmm. curse words, I think the stories are just as complicated and involving as adult fiction. So uh, before we get into The Last Applicant, do you want to talk about that transition? Sure, sure. I would, I would love to. Um, Yeah, I, you know, for me, I, I like to, make sort of a silly analogy that it feels like writing with a maybe like your calf muscle instead of your thigh muscle or something like it's a it's definitely a different muscle it's a different animal um but not so different as to feel like um you're undertaking something just completely new um and i do feel like you know so i i you mentioned that i kind of started off in tv i i wrote for soap opera and um storytelling to me is really the same across the board, whether it's a show, a YA novel, an adult novel. Now, with that said, of course, there's so many nuances and so many, I mean, there was there was a steep learning curve for me, you know, with each time that I transitioned to a different different form. But, um, but ultimately characters and setting and world and even structure really translate across, across genres. So, um, but I will say writing this, writing the last applicant specifically um, put me in a much more like vulnerable place than the YA, no- YA novels had. Um, and I think that's literally just because it's I'm writing about people more my own age, you know, contemporaries who are going through things that I'm going through. Whereas with YA, I got to channel being a teenager <laughs> again, which I loved. And I still think there's like pretty significant part of me that's still like 16 at heart. But the reality is that I am a parent now. And this book specifically is about, about motherhood. There's, there's parts of it about that. And so um, it felt more raw and and vulnerable and putting it out there feels that way too. Like I'm bearing my own soul a little bit, even though it's totally fiction, of course, but you know, you put some of your own emotion into it. I like to say that when you send a book out into the world, it is a little like sending your child out and people are going to judge this creation of yours. A hundred percent. Before we start talking in the book, I, I want to share that this podcast has been going strong for more than a decade. And I've interviewed more than 200 crime fiction writers for it. And never before have I encountered a conundrum like the last applicant. <laughs> it's almost impossible to drill down on any aspect of the story without revealing one of its many twists. So congratulations on that. Uh, And we will do our best to dance around anything that might introduce a spoiler. Great. I'm, I'm tickled. I'm, I'm, as as you can see, you can see my face. I'm, I'm laughing because that's, that's like the highest compliment. So thank you. Um, I think it's okay though, to start with the basic premise of the story. Sarah Price wants to turn in an application for her son to attend the kindergarten class of an ultra-competitive Manhattan private school. Sarah is, to put it mildly, a bit discombobulated. 
she misses the window for the application and she goes out on the limb and contacts Audrey Singer, the school's admissions director, directly by email, by her personal email. It, it seems completely straightforward and yet mildly creepy in all the best ways set up. So talk about what sparked this, because anyone who's ever had a kid that's ever applied for school from preschool through college can relate with this, I think. Totally. Um, yeah. So I was having, so I, my kids are 12, almost nine and four. I've got, got a bunch <laughs> of them and they're all in different, different ages and phases, which is a topic for another time, but um, another book, you know, and maybe another book. I haven't gotten to high school yet. I'm <laughs> bracing myself, but, um, but yeah, I was having, I was at Starbucks with a friend whose kids were a bit younger and she wanted to ask me about the preschool application process in, in San Francisco, which I, I want to say is probably the fever here is probably a little bit lower level than in Manhattan. But it was I, I did used to live in New York and it was always well, I'll get to this. I was going to say it was always a no brainer that I would set the book in in Manhattan. But um, but back to the coffee. Um, she was getting my advice. And I mean, my advice was fairly limited to like, pick five schools. Here's, you know, here's what, here's my knowledge of them. You know, it's, I wasn't really an expert except that I had just gone through the process myself. And, um, I just had this lightning bolt flash of this admissions director and a parent who would be so desperate as to actually stalk the admissions director. And I mean, there are real life stories of lengths that parents will go to, you know, sending gifts, um, you know, desperate, writing a whole tome for your, you know, there's a reason they tell you to write like a thousand words. It's because parents want to write 10,000 words about their, their child. And I get that and have been through it and, and relate to it. But I just thought, what if someone really went there, you know, went really far. And that's, that's when the idea sort of took root. And then I thought, well, who would this mom, I knew it had to be a mom and who would this mom be and why is she so desperate and what is driving her? Um, and, you know, as you said, without spoilers, I knew there had to be something, some deeper layers there beyond just, well, she really wants her kid to go to the school. So my hope is that it ends up being you know, surprising and unexpected in, in those ways. But um, oh, yeah, I think it will. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's how it came to me. And then I knew Manhattan. I just knew it's the epicenter for, you know, these, I mean, truly amazing um, elite schools and, you know, the level of competition is high and there's scarcity and, you know, all those things. And of course, also Manhattan just is so such a rich character in its own right. And, you know, I mean, many, many, many authors have used New York, you know, as a, almost a character before me. So um, I'm just following their footsteps, but I knew that it would create this backdrop that would just be really like delicious and um, high stakes. Well, <clears throat> crime fiction is a wonderful way to explore the fact that everyone has secrets and all of your characters have more than their share in layers. And that secrets, the lengths they will go, the characters will go to keep them concealed makes for great storytelling. And the last applicant reminded me of the late 80s film Sex, Lies, and Videotape. Not the plot, but the fact that even in the closest relationships and actually maybe mostly in the closest relationships, we hide versions of ourselves from others 
and from ourselves. And I feel like your characters, and I mean beyond the the two primary characters here of uh, Audrey Singer, the admissions director, and Sarah Price, the mom. Uh, Audrey Singer is also a mom, also with a kid at this mythical school called Easton. Um, that that there's it's just this multiverse of you hesitate to use the word, but will crazy. I love it. Bonkers. But I think one of the reviews said bizarre, but I'm I'm here for it. I mean, I I don't even know if I, I a lot of times you don't even you have a vision and you set out to write it, but you don't even always know fully how it's going to how it's all going to come out. And um, I mean, I'm thrilled for the reaction for people to be reacting that way and just thinking this is off, you know, off the deep end a little bit, but also relatable, hopefully. The book toggles in point of view between Sarah and Audrey. And I'm always fascinated by this approach. A number of writers use it. And I always ask them um, as they build their stories, what their writer writing methodology was. Did you write all of each character's points of view and then sort of cut and paste them together? Or was it a linear approach? You start with, with Sarah Price and her, her difficulty in getting the application in on time. And then you switch to Audrey, Sarah, Audrey, you go, you, you go in that, um, you go in that uh, direction through the five, I believe five parts of the book or all of Audrey and then all of Sarah and then put it the way you figured it should go. I love this question so much because no one's asked this before. And I hadn't even consciously, I mean, I I haven't obviously have an answer for you, but I hadn't thought about doing it the other way. So um, I did it chronologically in terms of um, the, not in terms of the chronology of the story, but like, wrote the first 12 chapters. Those were in Audrey's voice, switched to Sarah when it was chapter 13 or what I, I might be getting this exact chapters wrong, but you get the sense, you get the idea. So I did not do it that, the, that alternate way. I did not write all of Audrey's sections and then all of Sarah's, but it's actually a really cool idea because it probably would have helped in terms of some of the book chronology because the book um, kind of toggles in time a bit, not, not a ton, but like you go back, as you said, you go back to sort of see Sarah's perspective on what Audrey, what you already right, saw. And there's Audrey. backstory because. And, and then there's backstory. Yeah. So that's so interesting, but no, I didn't do it that way. I think I probably wouldn't just because it's really important for me to make sure that the book, the book flows the right way. If that makes sense, like oh, yeah. these chapters need to come next. And so I need to get to those. But um, but I to be fair, I did have to go back and do some. I mean, of course, you always there's so much editing and, you know, f- fixing things. So I did have to go back and do some of that to make it all like. All work as a whole. But I loved it when I, I loved getting to switch to the other perspective. Like it was almost one of the most fun things about writing the book because you just, you hope that you are giving the reader this, oh, new, like, oh, you know, and not even just with the big reveals, but like also just, oh, that's how Sarah saw this, or that's how Audrey saw it. Like, I, lo- I mean, and of course, Gone Girl is like, you know, the epitome of, you know, doing, doing that so well, just when you get to the other perspective, you're like, 
oh gosh, how did I not see that that was the way she felt about it? You know, um, and obviously that's a genius book. So it's done so well in that. Well, it's the reign of the unreliable narrative. Yes, it is. It absolutely is. Yes. And that's- and- you know, but between the two, between Sarah and Audrey, who we've established are both mothers, mm-hmm. both uh, sort of on the crazy scale. And I use that word you know, very tongue in cheek. Right, right. Don't at me. Of course. <laughs> uh, Sarah, to me, presents as the bigger mess. Uh, Audrey has her issues. Right. There's a fraught complacency to Audrey. The face she presents at the world is sort of of utmost confidence, which she would have to do as the as the face of this very, very exclusive private school in, in Manhattan. You know, Audrey owns her position as admissions director. And yet there's this sort of bit of imposter syndrome lurking mm-hmm. underneath. Am I am I, am yeah. I wrong to think there's a crack yeah. in her army? Oh, uh, absolutely not. Not only not wrong, but. I'm so glad that's that was clear to you because um yes and and the having someone sort of in the position of power lacking that sort of vulnerability is just so much less interesting to me you know so yes I, totally okay so I didn't misread that. Right. no 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 I'm I'm drawn to female characters who are complicated and not necessarily likable um, but but compelling and engaging. And you've already mentioned Gillian Flynn. There's a remarkable cadre of authors. I had included her in the list. They include Megan Abbott, Alison Galen, uh, Kelly Garrett, uh, who have craft, crafted such female characters. And I would add you to the list because they are compelling and sympathetic in a way, but not particularly likable. And the question is to me though, uh, and I don't like to do a lot of craft questions, but I like I like to ask this one. Were they difficult characters to live and work with? I mean, you had Sarah and Audrey in your head probably for over a year. That might've made for an interesting dialogues going on in the back of your mind. Yeah, it was intense. It was intense. I will say um, I felt kind of exhausted after diving in, you know, for especially the days where I really, you know, dove in and wrote for eight hours or something, you know, and kind of came up for air and felt like, yeah, like vulnerable because of what I was bringing to their characters. Again, even though they are not me at all, (laughs) but um, I could never have written this book if I weren't a a mother myself. Uh, There'd be no way. Like, it's just, it's so, so many things I mean, I never would have even had that idea in the first place for it. But you know what I'm saying? Like these characters have bits and pieces of my own neuroses and vulnerabilities. So yeah, I would I would use the word intense. I would say it was it was kind of emotionally exhausting to spend time <laughs> to spend all that time with them. And yet we should not for a moment say that the last applicant is chiclet. Not that there's anything wrong with chiclet. I love chiclet <laughs> on airplanes. So great. Uh and when I'm watching uh, my grandsons at Little League practice, I like chiclet. You know, it's 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 great. This is not really? that. Yeah, no, no, no. It's, it's well, it's too dark to be. Exactly. <laughs> For off the bat, it's just too dark. So, um, um, agreed. 
I do my best, uh, though, to avoid subgenre categorizations. And specifically, I hesitate to use the word domestic suspense, which I believe was coined by Sarah Weinman, although I'm not sure. Uh, because there's sort of this connotation of victimhood, and it's usually female victims. And I think crime fiction has moved past that, thankfully. Agreed. But maybe because there's such a swirl of sadness, secrets, psychopaths, and suspicion that everyone is imperiled in the last applicant, the men, the women, the children, the, it's, it's everybody's in peril. So maybe domestic suspense is apt in this, in the case of the last applicant. That's interesting. Um, I didn't, I didn't necessarily have, you know, have that negative connotation of it. Um, Oh, I, sh I should, but, I should be clear. Not it's, negative, it's, it's just people specific. just it's lump specific. all this sort of like right, right, wife right. alone in the right, house. Right, right. Totally get what you're saying. You don't, yeah, it's sometimes those categories don't, they can be limiting that sort of thing. So, but yeah, I, I mean, I do think, um, I do think the book, well, there's kind of nothing more domestic than parents and kids. And, you know, it's, it, it's, it takes place in a school, but it's really, you know, someone was asking me about, you know, the school setting and it's fundamental to the story, but um, you're really seeing these, these folks like in, in their domestic lives. So yeah, I, I, I think it's, it completely um, is, makes sense to, to call it that. And I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I'm happy for anyone to <laughs> kind of categorize it, you know, whatever feels right to them, but um, it's just, it's I just, um, like I said, it, this is a bit of a conundrum to talk <laughs> about because you're not quite sure when the crime occurred, occurred mm -hmm, uh -huh, when, uh -huh. what the crime is, right, right. Is there right. a crime? Right. Um, and on and on and on. And it's, it's just, it is really a book like an onion, not that it makes you cry, although I guess it could, uh, but that. Each layer, each time you, you change point of view and you learn a little bit more from a different perspective and you, you learn that both of these narrators are unreliable, um, but you get an expansion of the story and it keeps, I use the term onion, but it does, the story doesn't get narrower. It's like with each layer, it seems to expand mm -hmm. and, uh, and you really have this multi-dimensional universe of sadness and psychopathy and crazy and and it, it, in a very rewarding way I might add well well thank you Nancy that's I that mean really means a lot to me um I think the highest compliment to any authors when you know someone gets it or you know okay. and I and I, I felt that way with a couple of the reviews I was so you know, honored and, and thrilled and, and like, oh, I, I think they see what I'm trying to do. And it just, it's so validating to, um, to hear that. So I love the onion. I see what you're saying though. It could, it's like a reverse onion. Like you can, right. you're like putting the layer. Okay. It's like an outback onion. blooming onion. Yeah. Right. Exactly. It just got bigger. Like one of those blossoming things. Yeah. No, but I, um, that's, oh, it's what I was, what I was trying for. So it, it means a lot for you to feel um, accomplished. Even I think, a bit of that. I think that's um, about all we can talk about 
right <laughs> probably so the without, story without, uh, without really getting dancing too close to the edge we can say that both audrey and sarah are married and uh their marriages have the kinds of some of the kinds of challenges that everybody's marriages do and some other challenges that others don't uh there's a blended family in, in Audrey's case. And, uh, you know, it, it, in that, it will strike a chord with many people. Um, e even, you know, age-related. I don't have kids in school. I did have kids in school. I did have kids that went through this process of private school. So, you know, but I don't think you have to have that to enjoy this book. I think... Everybody wants the best for their children. And the as you mentioned in the beginning of this interview, the lengths to which parents, mostly mothers, will go to do that is sort of the, uh, the source material for this story. Yeah, I mean, it's really universal. Um, as you said, even if the specifics are different, I mean, I don't, I don't live in Manhattan and my parents, I mean, my kids don't, you know, attend the type of school that's in this book exactly. But, um, but I think we can all relate. And I especially think right now, like one of the things I, I didn't, it was sort of subconscious until I really got into it and then it became more conscious, but um, just exploring like this intensive parenting, like zeitgeist thing right now around, you know, all of us having these questions and then sort of a necessary backlash to that too. Like there's a book coming out or it's already out called, I think it's called Never Enough. And I'm, I'm sorry, I can't think of the author's name, but it's it's a nonfiction book, but it's truly um, brilliant in discussing, you know, like how do we, how do we teach kids that they matter? And how do we teach them that, you know, achievements can be hollow, but accomplishments can be something that make them feel like they have self-worth. And these are just things I think about a, a lot. So um you know, it's definitely threaded through the book. Just, you know, what, what, what is our role as parents? What's our job? Like we, we want to raise like resourceful kids who are not, not just happy. I think we've all realized that they need more than that. They need almost like a purpose, but you know, how, how do you do that? And does, it does competing in all these ways even help or even hinder them. And I, I'm like, I'm right in there with everybody else, like asking the questions. I don't have answers, but it was definitely thematically something I wanted to explore. Are you are you going to stay in the world of adult fiction? I'm hoping with my fingers yes. crossed. Oh. Are you are you going back to YA? Are you going to be a multi hyphenate? <laughs> are you going oh. back to television? Thank you. For What's, what are you working on now? Writers never say, "Oh, well, I did it. That's it." Yeah, never, never. Um, I am working on another adult thriller. Um, you know, unrelated, just another another standalone yeah book. i don't um, i one thing i will say is i don't see a sequel to this one yeah i think it's or a follow-up said even. what it needs to say i yeah. i would i would agree with that for the most part so um i mean with that said every writer if someone approached them with you know we, we can all find some more to say but we don't necessarily need to do well, and also characters <laughs> other authors yeah. do this where characters from previous true. novels true mm -hmm. show up Mm -hmm. uh and, and that's sort of that's the nice easter eggy kind of thing yeah 
No, absolutely. Um, but yes, new book unrelated. Um, and it is in, in the adult world. Um, oh gosh. I mean, I love YA. It's, well, it will always be something I, I love so much. So I, I certainly hope to write more YA as well, but right now, um, can only do so much. So I'm focusing. We have three kids. Focusing on what, what I can practically do. And I hope to, you know, stay in this, in this world. I mean, I, I loved writing The Last Applicant. It was, it was a, it was a thrill. So. Well, that's something, you know, writing books is, um, it's lonely. It's challenging. It's, it brings on feelings of inadequacy all within a second. Yes, yes, and yes. (laughs) So uh, it's great to hear a writer say that they loved writing the book, as opposed to, I was tortured by this book. Right, right. Yeah, no, it's there. I feel like the torture has to be that like delicious kind of torture, you know, where you're working out a really hard problem. That is definitely true. Like there are those days where you just, you literally feel like you're trying to crack an equation almost like, how is this all going to work? Those days are really hard. And all the things you're saying are true about the, the loneliness of the process, but on the whole, it's something I love doing so much that it, you know, for the most part, that outweighs the, (laughs) the difficult parts. And on top of that, like, for me, it's like, I feel like I can't not do it. So there's that as well. Like if you wake up in the morning with this characters knocking in your head, telling you, you've got to do it, then you can't, even if you tried, you can't really stop. So. Yeah. We, we don't like to talk about the compulsion aspect because (laughs) that might scare people. Well, you know, thank you so much for sharing uh, about this. Unless, of course, you want to tell us what the new book is about, but that's in a little bit of reticence. Yeah, probably can't yet. Um, But um, but maybe I'll get invited back, and I would absolutely. (laughs) I look forward. I look forward to reading your next book because, as I mentioned, I've you know I've read. I can't tell you how many, but I have interviewed over 250 writers, not just in this career, but in my previous life. And the last applicant is without a doubt, one of the most unique books I've read. It's just different in a great way. Wow. Well, thank, thank you for that. And thank you for chatting. This was so delightful. And, um, Yeah, I'm just so happy to have connected. 